Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of the Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, I don't know, man. Down on my luck. Are you a winner or a loser? I don't know. It depends who you ask and what time of day you ask them. <laughs> you know, after I have a couple drinks, I feel like a winner. But the rest of the day right now, sometimes I just feel like a loser, man. You know who isn't a loser? Fullscale.io. There we go. Sponsor of this episode of Startup Hustle. Why? Because they can help you build a software development team quickly and affordably. So with that, we're all aware of some interesting changes to our business climate. Yep. We are tired of talking about the specifics because everyone knows what they are, but it is time to discuss some of the Industry losers or people that are going to be having a tough time for the short interim or maybe forever, if they even make it that far. There are clearly a lot of companies and industries that have been majorly impacted by the rapid change in business climate. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, And some of them are really obvious, right? Like we already know the airlines are toast. Tour, I mean, tourism, travel, <clears throat> events, concerts. Toast. Well, those are we a whole. That's all, those. Well, but I think we need to talk about them a little more, though, because they're they're. You know, we mentioned that anything involving travel. So, you know, it's it's one thing to look at that category and you say, "Oh, the airlines are getting slayed." Well, here's the thing: is yeah, they are, but there is a whole lot of ancillary spending that occurs related to the travelers themselves, not only at the destination, but prior to departing. And it also has a very significant effect on, you know, we, you mentioned certain things. How about businesses that rely on in-person meetings mm-hmm. that also, you mentioned live events, trade shows, what's a trade yeah. show right now and different stuff like that. So, you know, and then, and then the speed at which the changes came down the pipeline have created an environment that has made it difficult to pivot. Um, so here's a, certain- here's a good example. So Las Vegas Boulevard, when they closed it, yeah. 200,000 people lost their job. Really? Yeah. I guess that makes sense, man. I mean, 200,000 people overnight. That's crazy. And that's great. And that's the thing is, is, is the speed at which things occurred. You know, we were here, you know, it's the, the middle of March was that primary timeline. All of a sudden it was like, Hey, things are okay. And then it's like, shit, we're closed. And, you know, we mentioned that there are some, you know, anything, okay. Airlines, buses, trains, and cruise ships. Like is the cruise ship ever going to make a comeback? Yeah. That's one of those ones that I don't know. Cause, cause they were having, they had had the same, this problem prior to all this, they've had other, um, it was, you know, I don't know, some the weird struggling industry. No, they would get, they, they were, they were prone to infection. They would have like a meningitis out- outbreak or something like Influenza that and, or whatever. I mean, you want to talk about a freaking PR nightmare. I mean, you know, you literally have these ships. They're like, you know, you read about them. There's there's 3000 passengers, all of which are presumed to be positive for Corona. They can't find a port to, you know, all of it. And then, I mean, my God, and and, you know, the thing is, is when are you going to feel like, and here's another thing too. Most people don't live at the port. So they take it, they take a flight to the cruise. And now those flights are canceled too. Yep. Yep. So, you know, you mentioned other things too, like buses and trains. I mean, these are all things where people are used to traveling in close quarters. And I think the real question is, is in any time soon, can they responsibly open having people elbow to elbow? Well, and there's other weird things like this that are the little fringes that you don't think about. Think about companies that sell luggage. Yeah. Who the hell's buying luggage right now? 
That's part of that ancillary that Robot. ancillary effect. Yeah, that's part Robot. of that, that that whole trickle down economic that occurs. Now, one of the other things that you know, something I read related to travel, and it had to do with the itch, it, how do you say it had the Seoul Airport? Is it Incheon? It's oh, one of the know. busiest airports in the world, and it is like the nicest mall I've ever been in. Also, at the same time. And the two largest retailers or retail companies have removed their bids for primary spaces. And those are the big duty free shops because oh. they're getting crushed. They can't, there's no one going through the airport. And, you know, on my way back from Cebu, I was worried about getting stuck. And then it ended up being probably the fastest trip because there wasn't anyone in the airport. There wasn't anyone on the planes. So despite, you know, with that, one of the major sectors that is affected, well, energy, oil and gas, mm -hmm. who is already amidst a giant cockfight between multiple countries, as far as like output and pricing goes, you yeah, know, Russia, Saudi Arabia and Russia yeah. and yep. Mexico and everything. And then to the point that, that now they've had to literally turn output down remarkably because they're out of places to store the oil. Well, and there are some gas stations now. You could get gas for under a dollar in certain places in the United really? States. Yeah, under a buck under a dollar. Yeah, but you know who also is a huge loser in this? Gas stations. We're going to see a yeah. huge wave of gas stations that go bankrupt when this is but all over with. I'm not positive that that's the case. So my ex-wife used to work for a convenience store chain and they don't, the, the gas stations actually, so you talk about being forced to change right, right around the economic crisis of 2008 was when pay at pump, pay at the pump mm -hmm. really became prevalent and it crushed gas stations because they don't make a lot of money off the gas itself. They make money off the shit that you normally buy when you go in to pay for the gas, off the candy bar, off the soda drink, right. off all the the cigarettes, all that different stuff. But so, nobody is doing any of that right now either. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. I think nobody's that, driving to work, so nobody goes to Quick Trip and buys coffee on the way to work. Like, it's all gone. You know, and I know we're talking about losers, but a big winner right now is me because I'm getting three weeks to the gallon <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, you know, dude, I drive all over KC. I go down to events yeah. downtown and, and different stuff and all that stuff. And, 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 okay, I have driven my car once since February 28th. Wow. Yeah. Cause how, how does that car drive, payment feel? Well, you know, it's funny. I, it, the Lexus gave me an option to defer it. So I clicked the button and said, okay. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. I figure I'll just put the money in my pocket and maybe pay off something else. I don't know. Um, That's cool you know, that. now, now talking about on that same subject, car dealers. Oh shit. Now you have a history with the car industry. Um, we saw one of one of Kansas City's fastest growing companies, Auto Alert, uh, furlough two hundred people. Yes, yeah. And you know, you know, with that, uh, you know, here's the thing: is people aren't out buying cars right now. The need for them is at an all time low, and that's going to affect. I mean, that affects a ton of different stuff. I was talking. I was watching. I think it was CNN or something last night, and I think they said there were three states where all car sales are are banned. Like I think Pennsylvania was one of them. Like car dealers aren't allowed to sell anything to anybody. Like completely done. Which is so, crazy. Which is crazy because they won't even. I mean, some of the other states, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'll bring you the car and drop it off at your house or whatever. And and you talk about car dealers. I think that's actually the positive that could come out of this is can they change their business models around to be more friendly to people buying remote, having the car delivered remote, all of those sort of things, which are positives that we needed anyways. And that's why I've always loved buying a car from like Tesla is they really are focused on that. Like you don't go into the store. Like that's not a thing you buy it online. Um, and so I think some of those things ultimately, this may push those things in the industry, which are, which will turn into be positives. But in the short term, they are huge losers. And most people don't realize how big car dealers are as far as the percentage of the economy. It's a huge percentage of the economy. Huge big driver of tax revenue as well. Tax revenue. Yeah, yeah, huge. And so all of that is gone. Tax right. titles, different stuff like that. And then, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, like having working from home, you know, we I have two cars. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I need no cars. Yeah. 
I mean, it's given me a lot of perspective about what I'm interested in spending my money on. I mean, I am almost 100% certain to take at least one of my fancy cars and turn it into a not so fancy car when I can do so. Well, and now is the time to probably buy a car. Well, that's part part of the reason why people that are unemployed that have you know are desperate to get money that are selling to car dealers that are desperate to sell. So now is probably actually a good time to buy a car. Yeah, and that's part of why I was looking at it. Not only not only was there possibly a willingness to so you know I have a, a, a Lexus LC five hundred. It's a nice car. It is certainly not practical. It looks like a fucking spaceship, and it's got two doors. I have two kids now. I might, you know, here, here in a month or two, I'm, I'm willing to bet that Lexus will give me a hell of a hell of a financing offer and a hell of a deal if they can somehow move a new car out of it. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, now, oftentimes I find myself in my car driving down to the Sprint Center here in Kansas City, where we have the full scale suite where we often entertain. Well, last year we hosted uh, 65 different events where we had entrepreneurs, influencers, and investors out to the suite. We have 16 people at a time. We check out events. We get to know each other. We have a great time. That is 100% on hold right now, buddy. Um, There's been eight and, eight events at the Sprint Center. Is that what we decided? Ten. Ten, ten yeah. That's ten. it. Yep, ten. And, 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 and this and, is a place that easily had 100 a year. Yeah, they have, well, I think they had 90-ish last year, and some of those are are repetitive runs, like when Disney on Ice is here for 27 straight episodes. By the way, the company that I I read an article, because for those of you that aren't familiar, I have a a long history working in and around music and events, Um, 18 years of my my, uh, professional background had something to do with either of those. And therefore, and you know, I wrote a book last year about uh, the realist guide to a successful music career, which we might have to create an addendum to. Um, because, you know, and with, and with that, I've been privileged enough to have a lot of relationships with people that are legitimately known as rock stars. And they are fucked right now, like legitimately fucked. Like I don't have a better or cleaner word to use. And it comes when it comes to sports and entertainment, there is no foreseeable solution for getting them back on pace. I mean, at major league baseball is talking about playing a season without fans and doing it all in Arizona at the team's spring training facilities where they will sequester people and lock them away. You know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of not sure why they don't just do that now. Why don't they just test everybody for coronavirus? every week and if you got it you don't play and if you if you don't have it you play well i mean i think they're getting that figured out i don't know i mean i really don't know i mean i think some of it's an exposure issue you have a liability issue but but if there's any sport that has a lot of social distancing it's baseball well it is and it isn't you know i mean (laughs) there are things that need to be adjusted i mean you're you're you know, you, you have an umpire that is like hovering right over the catcher. You have people in the dugout that are elbow to elbow when you're on first base and the yeah. first baseman's holding you on. You're not six feet away. And, you know, so, everybody. Well, yeah. And I think that what that's I think that's what we're trying to get figured out now. You know, the, the pre- President Trump recently has made statements. So we're hoping to get people back into arenas and out to sports. And he uses and he uses the month august or september think of it dude it's april it's freaking april like that is five months from now which would mean you're not getting baseball you're certainly not getting nba football's becoming questionable concerts i i read a report yesterday that said don't think you're getting live concerts back for 12 to 18 months like unless there is a treatment or a vaccine, you can't ruin your economy, put 15, 16 million people out of work, tell people they can't go to church on Easter, and then tell them to hurry up down to your local concert venue so you can see Rascal Flats live in person tonight. And, th- and then the flip side of that, too, is the acts aren't going to want to travel. Well, they, and so much of their concern, right, is they've got to sort of pay for the, 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 the venue and everything. So they got to fill up the seats. So it's, I mean, maybe smaller venues could, could come back around, but 
big stadium well, tours it, and stuff like actually, that for sure. Actually, small venues, small venues are projected to sh- to close at an all time record high because they are cash flow dependent. They are not yeah. publicly traded companies like Live Nation, AEG, and then so I and I I looked into this because I've just been you know had like I said I have a lot of people near and dear to me that are experiencing this firsthand. It starts with the promoters. So the promoters give artists advance on their tours months ahead of time. And then the timing of it is particularly bad because in the spring, so from around mid-January through mid-March, you get this massive wave of tours that are announced for the summer and early fall. And advances have been sent out for those. In many cases, they've sold tickets. So um, there had been 50 million event tickets sold for events in 2020 that had not yet occurred. And when they started canceling and postponing them, it created an amazingly tight liquidity situation for Ticketmaster, Live Nation, AEG, for everyone. StubHub is way underwater um, because everyone wants a refund. And in some cases, like in the secondary sales market, StubHub will pay a seller before the event occurs. Yeah. So they're having they have to go recover that money. And I was a ticket broker for eight years. I know all about them recovering money and they do it quickly. But if they can't get it and they're still having to give people refunds, that money's coming from somewhere. Yeah, I don't see how you unwind that spider web of like I bought tickets from some random dude on Craigslist who bought the tickets from other some other random dude who that's game over yeah you're getting yeah you're getting yeah you're getting a ticket to another event there um crazy yeah so so with that you know i have some some information that supports that right now the 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 hope is that touring acts meaning live music and also like kids shows and things that you see are really are really hoping to pile on in the fourth quarter now, that said, they're hesitant to announce officially rescheduled dates because who knows, you know, continuing to uh, there's nothing worse than the postponed show that is of the postponed show. Yeah. <laughs> and it just really and, you know, that's the thing, too, is, is I mean, realistically, um, you are you if you want to go see live music, you're going to wait. And, you know, that's that's a, that's going to be a challenge. So. I think we're all I think we're all just hoping the NFL season doesn't get affected. That might be the our only hope at this point. Everything else I think is derailed. I mean, on some level, yeah, and and I you know, the NFL's benefiting from the calendar and thank God the Chiefs had enough time to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And and thank God I got a chance to finally take my wife and my kids to Disney in January cuz I mean, you look at like how's that you talk about tourism yeah. how does that affect it? And I, I I read a whole article about Disney World and pro- and changes they will probably make when this is all over. Like, if you went, you remember, like, you had to scan your fingerprint for things? Oh, yeah. Forget about it. T- t- touching things for nope. that is probably going away, right? Like, and all the, the way they heard people in the lines and, and different things and... Yep. Yeah, they, they there may be a lot those of little, those those winding tight corridors where they have yeah. you just like like doing the switchbacks and like there mm-hmm. with some guy that's coughing all over someone else that's coughing all over and it's all inside and yeah. I mean it, you know now now here's the one thing the the industry or the se- the the sector that I think is going it was already in the midst of a death rattle that is going to be profoundly affected and never the same as retail. Yeah. I mean, just retail, like in general now, look, okay. So here in the United States, the mall is dying. Now we test that theory when we go to places like Cebu, where that's the busiest joint in town. Yeah. Right. And it really is like malls over like in the Philippines when we travel there, like, dude, that is where everybody is. Like that the is, mall that is, is packed. Yeah. You go here and I mean, even in the more popular malls, you walk through them and it's like tumbleweeds rolling through and there, it's just not where people are going. And then, and then the trends were already heading down. So the people that were going to the mall are actually spending less than they have historically. They're buying different things. You have companies like JCPenney that have, uh, that have these massive footprints. And like, you know, Best Buy has been able to pivot and do some curbside pickup and stuff like that. But you don't need freaking, you know, 80,000 square feet. No. Nope. So, so, you know, that, that's, uh, 
every anybody in a retail space right now is scrambling to try to get rent adjustments, to try to get anything. I mean, they are okay. If I said the music industry was fucked, retail is dead. I think especially the malls, right? Like, not only is the owner of the mall in trouble, that like if you own this like million square foot mall or whatever, you're in trouble because all of your you know, people you've leased rented spaces space to all of a sudden are in trouble, but then all the retailers in the mall are in trouble. So it's like a huge double whammy now. So I I don't know if you, I don't know if you know this, but when you lease space in a mall, you give the mall a very small percentage of your sales as well. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. When I worked in the music industry, we had a lot of, when I was in the retail side of things and it managed a chain that I was a, a, one of the managers of 18 different retail stores. And we had a couple that were in malls. So that's, that's something you negotiate, but you'll pay your rent. And then, I mean, they might get like a half a percent or 1% or something like that, but that's a major source of revenue. And the reason that they tie it to that is they, you want the mall to give a shit about the mall. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and to make it safe and to make it attractive and to keep it clean and a lot of that stuff. So a lot of times you're paying high rent and you're paying a cut. And with those evaporating, that's an issue. Now, we're, we're you know, as far as retail goes, if if you have the ability, if stores that have the ability to, to sell things online and we're ahead of the curve are in good shape there. Um, clothing and different types of, of things that you typically want to see, touch, feel, try on are going to struggle, um, you know, and then, you know, and then another thing it, you talk about just commercial real estate, how many people are going to come out of this and not feel, okay, so we share an office together. It's about 10,000 square feet, right? Yes. Have you had, have you had a moment during this last month where you've said, wow, do I really need this expense in my life? Absolutely. And honestly, my lease is up in like five or six months and I'm already starting to think I'm like, well, maybe we still need an office, but maybe it needs to be like, not really like small. this. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at full scale. So full scale in, in Cebu city, we have two floors of a high rise building. It's 20,000 total square feet. And, you know, part of what this is doing is because we've had to take our whole, our whole workforce remote has made me realize we can probably flex a higher employee count with the same office footprint. And because our, our employees want to work from home a little more. And if they could do that half the time, then you could theoretically have two times the number of people that shared the space. Well, and we're a good example of that where we didn't necessarily allow our employees to work remotely before very much. Like it was definitely an exception where now all of a sudden maybe it becomes more the norm. And so, I mean, there's going to be a lot of that change I think we see. And I think this is especially you talk about being losers in commercial real estate. I think in residential too, think about the high $4,000 a month shitty apartments in San Francisco. Why the hell do you want to live there anymore if you can work remotely and just move to Nevada or Utah or Oregon or just anywhere, right? And, but and, you, and you, have a great, you have a great point because when you start working remote, unless you're right up the street, it doesn't matter. If you're in yeah. San Francisco or in Atlanta, the only thing you have in common is a somewhat similar time zone. Yeah, Not even I mean, the same. It makes no sense yeah. at all. Yeah. And and California already had these problems, had this exodus of people leaving anyways. But I really have a feeling this is going to just implode rental rates in a lot of these big cities where people are, are, are coming to figure out, I don't need to be here. Well, and, you know, not only the rental rates, Matt, but another thing, too, is like how many people aren't paying their rent right now? Or they're wanting it deferred or they're doing different stuff. And, you know, like, here's the thing is anybody that is in the real estate game is usually stacking that stuff on top of itself. They're, they're taking assets they're leveraging them against other assets. And they are usually do not own those spaces outright. I've talked to some people recently that, uh, that have large commercial real estate holdings and they're nervous. They're nervous about it. Now Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you an example. Okay. I think co-working, which was all the rage over the last five years. Bye-bye. Yeah. We work and pods, all these kinds of places. People paid a lot of money just to have a desk somewhere. Bye-bye. And we work was already we work was already struggling and by the way, they officially did not pay rent anywhere in April. But they did not stop charging the people that have space. Oh, great. 
Nice. Yeah. So that's been a very embattled place. But like I said, it's like kind of like you you mentioned, like maybe we need some space, but do we need as much space? Th- this, and, they, they have to, actually WeWork has to be one of the biggest losers in all of this because. Oh, yeah. That the, they're already on our, the ropes, already on the ropes. And uh, especially yeah. for their customer base <laughs> that didn't have big offices, they just had like one or two little employees. All of those businesses that had one or two employees are like, hell yeah, we can work from home. Cancel that shit. We're not even going to ever going to go yep. back. Like, yep. yeah, that that's a bloodbath right there. Yeah. And then you mentioned earlier, you know, when we were in the winners episodes, we we're talking about cleaning companies. So the place where the, the full scale and Stackify office exists, cleaning is part of the rent. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, you some of these buildings are going to certainly see higher costs when it comes to a whole lot of other stuff. So high costs and lower revenue is not a good combination. That's a, that's a, that's a, that is a rep, uh, a recipe for losing. Well, we, you talk about the cleaning part of it. The other part of this, that could be kind of loser for all of us is <clears throat> what happens when we all go back to work? I mean, do we have like all these additional like OSHA federal requirements of like when your employees come in for the day, they have to check their temperature and sign in and, document that they don't have any symptoms and who knows what's going to happen with all the kind of like new policy procedure kind of stuff that none of us have any idea how the hell any of that's going to work. Yeah. And that could also have, you know, I think insurance carriers are on the loser list. I mean, you're going to have a record number of people making a record number of trips to the hospital. Um, Well, I, I don't know about that because one of the other biggest losers in this right now is actually the hospitals. And it's not because they're busy. It's because they're not busy. They can't do like my aunt needed like some knee replacement or some shit. Well, she can't do it. They're not going to do it right now because it's not medically necessity. So all those doctors, all those, you know, employees and specialists that dealt with, you know, non-essential COVID stuff are out of work. So actually the insurance companies. I don't know how they're going to deal with all the insurance claims around coronavirus. Who knows? But then on the other side of it, you have all these elective stuff that's not happening. And like my wife is pregnant, but she's not having as many visits to the doctor. So, you know, her doctor's not probably billing as much because they're cut way back on the number of office visits. So, I mean, it's it's a trickle down everywhere. So I once, when you told me that you were going to get remarried, I offered to be the the officiant. Do you need me to deliver the baby? Yes. I have a baseball glove. Can you a do helmet. a C-section? No. No? No. Hmm. No. So I've got, an, I've got another one for you. Banking. Yeah. Are they winners or losers right now? Oh man. No, they're not winners. Um, I mean, the mortgage business is booming, but you're also going to have a lot of foreclosures. I mean, the mortgage business is, is probably trickling along. Um, I mean, part of buying, I mean, what they're experiencing right now is as compared to what they're about to experience are going to be two different things. I mean, houses that have closed and, and deals that have been transacted over the last month. I mean, how many do you think fell through? Cause oh, I, someone I'm just sure. got laid off and they don't yep. have a job and you got to verify that right before closing. And now but people sudden, are also, people are also refinancing like crazy because interest rates are low. Yeah, right. And that stimulates that. But now on the flip side of all that, you have to, you know, this is all based on, on known, uh, known risk factors, which all changed. It's, it's going to be interesting. And and like all these, all the banks right now are really busy with all this SBA stuff, the payroll protection plan, all that. By the way, which by the way, doesn't pay a big yield. I was going to say, I don't know how the banks get compensated for that stuff. So. I, I, you know what? I, I can't confirm this, and this is just my theory. I think that when they give out a, a PPP loan and they have that and it's 100% guaranteed by the government, I think that that increases their ability to borrow other money from the Fed. Well, or maybe they get an origination fee or something. I think they probably get something, but you know, they still have to have the money available. But I think that I think that they are able to sell those back because I saw some articles. And by the way, everything I thought that I knew about the stock market and the economy is apparently wrong because I've said this a couple of times. America's greatest invention, without a doubt, is the mint. We just print more money. Um, yeah, that's that's a winner. The mint. 
Um, I mean, without a doubt. So yeah, but you know, the thing is, is banks are in the business of, of loaning money. And with that, they are, are supposed to be picking winners, right? A bunch of winners just turned into losers. I mean, oh, yeah. literally industries that were on fire on fucking fire are completely dead. And we mentioned, we mentioned, uh, live events. So back when I was a ticket broker and this is probably in like 2011, you could buy Live Nation stock for $7. And I did. And it had traded as high as $76 and had dipped down as low over the last month in the low 20s. So, you know, you and that's just a statement of worth. I mean, there's a whole lot of segments that are going through a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I, I would, I, it, you know, you talk about losers. Well, I think, that, you know, just investment in general um, is is struggling. Um, I mean, as a financial advisor right now, like you're not trained for global pandemic. Yeah, he's got to tell everybody not to buy or, you know, not to sell. Right. But the the bigger issue is the people that are trying to raise money. It's the businesses that are that are looking for venture capital, stuff like that. Like we know several people that were in the midst of different deals that all of a sudden they're all put on hold. Oh. That's a huge problem. Yeah. And you know, so here's, here's another thing. If we're going to talk about losers, man, let, oh, and my love goes out to everyone. How about startups that are seeking funding? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, that's right now. I mean, the, the, here's the thing is, is an uncertain, an uncertain investor or buyer almost only almost always says no. And now's and, and a good that, time to be the buyer. The attitude. Yeah, well, sure. And that, and that's the thing. And, you know, you also mentioned as a, a, we'll have a couple of little uh, ancillary categories there. You know, if your business was, if you thought you were getting a funding round and it was based on some kind of criteria being met or measurables or whatever, and now you're not going to hit them. Like, I mean, you look at, at okay, we we're just talking about WeWork. SoftBank retracted its $3 billion uh, bailout of WeWork. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. They pulled back. They said, we're not buying it. We're not buying, we're not putting more money in. And, you know, SoftBank is, is currently projected to maybe have a $17 billion loss this year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a whole lot of issues there. Do you, what else do you have on your list, Matt? So one of the other ones we haven't talked about is the movie theaters. Oh man. Forget about it. I mean, so in can we're in Kansas city, right. And it's actually home to AMC theaters, which is one of the top like three or four movie chains in the United States. And yeah, they furloughed everybody, everybody. And I hate to, I hate to wonder, but that's one of those industries that you kind of wonder, will it come back? Are we just going to yeah, stream mean, everything on Netflix and who cares? I don't yeah, know. And yeah, I mean, that's, and that's a good question. I mean, I think anytime these things occur, you know, in 2008, there was a Darwinistic effect that occurred on a lot of the stuff. And I mean, here's the thing, and I'm, and I'm not trying to, to like throw stones here, but if your business completely, if your business just goes out of business because you don't have cash flow for a week, you didn't have a solid business. Now, this is a way deeper issue than that. But I mean, there, there, there's a, f a flushing out of certain things. Now, the thing that's kind of rough is, you know, prior to a month ago, we had record low unemployment rates. We did. I mean, so like literally with, within a 45 day period, actually a 30 day period, we are seeing the largest fluctuation from unemployment rate lows to highs that has ever occurred. Well, and, and I, I think for every week that goes by, the odds of that quickly swinging back minimizes, right? Like yeah. if, if this thing only lasted two weeks, maybe everybody goes right back to work and not a lot changes. But every week that this goes on, like there's just jobs don't come back. Okay. I got another one for you. The gig economy. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean largely, largely, because the gig economy is is you have things like okay, you might be an Uber driver, but who's riding around an Uber right now? But and Instacart's booming. And Instacart's Uber booming. But Uber I delivery. mean, I mean the people that work at like okay, how about our suite attendant in the full scale suite, sure. who works at three different venues and counts on that money? 
a lot of part-time and, work and, that way. Yeah. And then, you know, people, how about people that work at trade shows, people that work, mm-hmm. um, you know, you like, like events, sports, like all these things. Like uh, when you go to the Kansas city chiefs game, the people that are there working in the parking lot, they don't work in the parking lot full time. That's a side gig for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people get these side hustles and do different things. So like the overall gig economy, when it comes to a lot of things, I mean, you know, you look, I, I mentioned earlier, cause you, you mentioned cleaning companies as being a, a potential winner. They could also be a loser. I have not allowed, we ha- you and I have the same cleaning company. Have you been letting them come to your house and clean? I did. And I honestly, I thought about it for a while, but I'm like, you know what? The thing my house probably needs is to be sanitized a little bit. Let's have them clean this thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm about. I was there. on the fence. I was on the fence. I know. Yeah, but and you, that's but, been. But I, you, I haven't. I haven't allowed them back. Just talking about the gig economy. Think about all of the and, and these are the people that are lost in the unemployment numbers. It's the people that have those sort of gig part time jobs. They can't. Or they, that's not. A, that's not. A, they can't file or service based businesses. So. Think of like I got married like three weeks before this shit started. So the people that like do the photography, the wedding planner, the caterer, like all these different kinds of services that you don't necessarily think about. They're not necessarily Dude, no, no, but that's, that's gig economy. That's gig yeah, economy. No different. one's no one's a full time photographer. Every ninety eight percent of photographers are that's a gig thing. And like you, the, usually, the same with the guy that married you. Like that usually, dude doesn't do that full time. But usually when people think of the gig economy, they just think of like uber drivers but i think part of our point here is down too who's traveling anywhere there it's much bigger than that there's lots of part-time jobs freelancers different things that all that stuff is dried up i think overall i think that you know and i think that we need to go back and talk about just the service industry in general and by the way we haven't mentioned restaurants yeah i mean restaurants are are closing shop quickly and you know like every day i pick up the about every other day and then i see a headline like kansas city business journal there's like some restaurant that's been in the river market here in kansas city for like 15 years just abruptly closes and you know and that's the thing is uh, so recently and you you weren't on the episode i had bo nelson back from thou mayest because i was curious about how this had affected coffee shops because coffee shops, like some of them are open, but they've been forced to remove their seating, different stuff. Bo basically said, if you have a drive through, you're killing it. Yes. And now their stores were really, thou mayest is kind of a place where you vibe out, you go in, you get some Wi-Fi, you sit down, you relax. He said they quickly pivoted and were able to turn their website where you could buy your, basically they'll bring it out to the curb. But they don't have, but they don't have a drive-through, so they they put their focal point on the wholesale coffee delivery, and that so their online their warehouse is popping because huh. people still want their coffee and they're just ordering it at home. They're like so they're delivering it there, yeah. But but he said it's been a real challenge. Now you know you were obviously on the episode where we had Ezzy Redwood in. I mean that's a plate that's a yeah. wings restaurant where people go in the freaking restaurant and eat wings, and that's a struggle. I think for a lot of them, they're just trying to desperately do enough carry out to keep the lights on. Yeah. And, and, but the thing is, is apparently that's not enough for most restaurants. So, 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 you know, you know, what weird, what weird restaurant is probably a huge winner in this. Actually, we know is a huge winner in this is Sonic. Ah, like they were perfectly designed for this disaster to happen. You which eat by the way, car. which but which by the way, if you had mentioned two months ago that Sonic was going to be a restaurant model on the upswing, I would have been like, "Dude, are you high?" Yeah, because no, like I mean, think it. about yeah. Now I, I've 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 actually know some people that have been in and around that industry. So Sonic's had to greatly adapt because part of their problem was they. So Sonic was the first fast food chain to really build a robust. Uh, app for ordering ahead of time because their biggest yeah because their biggest problem was they're not fast you pull up you're at the thing that you know like it just takes a while it's not the drive they have a drive-through but it's not as fast as it needed to be so you could mobile app yeah and they did that like years ago and it wasn't until a year ago that mcdonald's had an app and other things did so they were they were prepared for that but that's a great point but they that was them forcing themselves to adapt because their their model was their whole restaurant model was built on a 1950s concept 
Well, if you want to so, take your yeah. kids out to eat tonight, you're going to Sonic, man. I'm going to go to Sonic, and then I'm going to go to I'm going to go to the drive-in. Yeah. I'm going to go to the drive-in, and then I'm going to go out to an empty field and shoot my gun. But you're right. Anybody with a drive-through is probably doing okay. Um, even the little ice cream place that sells ice cream over here. My wife and I, we go hit that uh, every week. We we're going in, going through the drive-through, getting ice cream, right? So yeah, and the, but then look at a model like Dave and Buster's. Oh my God, they're dead. Forget about it. Like dead. massive, hundred thousand square foot footprint, one hundred percent reliable. Like, do would you ever consider? Hey, I'm going to order some carryout. Cool. Call Dave and Buster's. No, they don't have no. food anyways. I know you go there to beat me at Papa Shot. That's right. Yes. I know. I can't. Still can't believe that happened. I play. I played against my wife, and she didn't make one shot. So that's my tip. Next time you go, you want to play her and bet money on it. I'm gonna play her one on one because I'm like Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> compared to her. Yeah. Okay, I've got another weird random loser in this. Reusable grocery bags. <laughs> um, what what a part of the American gross domestic product does that account for? Pretty low, but you know, grocery stores and actually in certain places, like in California. They're like you had to pay money to get grocery bags and stuff, right? Because they were all about reusable bags. All of a sudden, that shit is out the window because nobody wants to touch anybody's stuff. So it's it's, it's just interesting the little changes and how it impacts weird business, you know, segments. Okay, so you mentioned earlier that. Uh, you know, we talked about in the winners episode, we talk about, you know, some people, this could be the right time to hire. Yeah. Um, this is also, so, and you know, at full scale, once again, if you're interested in hiring software professionals, go to fullscale.io. We can help you find software developers quickly and affordably. All right. So zip recruiter, which is a major source of online, uh, uh job ads. Uh, they, they laid off 2,200 people like three weeks ago. Wow. Cause they, they're just like, there just wasn't going to be the demand. So yeah. certain, certain types of employment, uh, websites, agencies, stuff like that. Um, now we mentioned in the winners episode, it, kind of in Congress with that, you're talking about online activity and those are marketplaces that have to have traffic and paid placements and stuff like that. We, we mentioned that while in what social media usage is up, but advertising is down. Advertising in general, the whole industry is on the ropes right now, like big time on the ropes. And it has the ad, the advertising industry is way, way bigger and way deeper in our economy than you would think. I mean, there are agencies, there are, you look at not only the, okay, so you have the, some of the world's biggest software companies, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, all of these places, they are advertisers. Don't fool yourself. They're not in the business of helping you share pictures of your kids. They want to sell fucking ads. Yes. Okay. And then you have, you have a reduced activity for, for marketing. Cause look, let's be realistic. If when shit like this happens, the first thing you look at is where can we cut expenses? And if you have a huge marketing spend, that's going to be the first thing you're going to pull back on. You know what Stackify's ad budget is now? Zero. Zero. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of what I was recently talking to Aaron Folk about was at times right now, like this is the time for a business to focus on their organic and content related strategies, you know, and that's, and that's all our whole business, other than the full scale suite, our whole business has revolved around that. So we've been able to step that up, but the advertising industry in general, so that's going to affect a number of agencies that place ads, there's buyers, there's creatives, there's, there's, you know, like a whole gamut of different kind of spend that's going on. Uh, okay. So we mentioned some of the biggest software companies. How about media outlets, newspapers, uh, television, all of it? I mean, like, how do you think ESPN's doing right now? I, I was I, going to use that example. Yeah. Like, what the hell does ESPN talk about? I've been calling my dad every day to see how he's doing. And every day he's moved a few years forward and whatever uh, year of the masters he's been watching. <laughs> so I talked to him like, like 10 days ago. He's like, I'm watching the 1960 masters. I said, how bad would you kill for Memphis Grizzlies versus Orlando magic right now? And he's like, I'm getting really close to that. 
Yeah. But yeah, I talked to him yesterday and he was up to 2018. So he had been like, you know, watching the golf channel or something so, like that. But, but big losers in this are definitely sports fans. But did you see that uh, WWE is still, is still an going essential, on? An essential thing in Florida. <laughs> and UFC fighting too. Yeah. We're, yeah. So those are, I guess those are the only sports we have now is WWE the, and UFC. So, but okay. But some of those are also highly like uh, the fighting is highly sponsor driven and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, you know, still in the Congress uh, in Congress with, with ad spending. So I read an article this morning on TechCrunch about podcast advertising. So you would think that right now people were listening to more podcasts than ever. That is not, so. what it's, not the case. Uh, uh, 10 down 10%. Ad spend down 20% because uh, advertising is affected. And, you know, we even looked at, so our numbers at Startup Hustle have have remained largely the same when it comes to number of downloads in a month, but we've also released more episodes that kind of push that number up a little bit. Now, there's a simple thing, like this is a business and entrepreneurship podcast. And I was curious, I, th I thought, man, either our listenership will go through the roof or it will struggle. And why would it struggle? It's because people aren't commuting to work. Yeah. Where's our guy from Stuttgart, Germany? Joseph, where are you? Because are you still listening to the show without your one hour train ride across Germany every day? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I can see the analytics and the numbers and, you know, like we have this. So this, the, the startup hustle comes out every day, every weekday at 5 a.m. Central time. And we see huge spikes in the hours that go with that because they're directly associated with, with commuting. The length of our episodes is strategically planned. So you can listen to half on the way there and half on the way back. Sure. And you know, some of that, but you talk about, so, you know, and the surprising part about overall podcast engagement is I have seen more podcasts and user created content pop up in the last month than I've ever seen. I mean, I think because people are like, shit, what else do I have to do? I yeah. guess I can give this a shot. Like, even look at this. We we had never done other than taking other than the live recordings, the lot like where we actually do the show in front of a live audience. We had never recorded Startup Hustle virtually. And now that's no. our only choice. Nope. Here now, we are. We're doing but it. it. But and you know what? It took a little bit for us to figure out. And by the way, for those of you listening, thank you. We got we figured out how to use microphones. We don't have our fancy recording studio. I had to disinfect. How's your new microphone, Matt? Does it still yeah. smell like hand gel? Yep, it does. Does it really? Yeah. Well, I slathered the shit out of that thing because I wasn't about <laughs> I wasn't about to deliver a coronavirus a potentially coronavirus infected microphone to a home that had children and a pregnant woman in it. But thank you. For uh, that. But yeah, so but some of that's you know forcing to figure it out. Now with that, it's going to actually be awesome and interesting because you will be a winner as a listener because we have officially started to schedule people outside of our home market and. Yeah, that'll be a cool thing. And, you know, honestly, like, I mean, we even mentioned this the other day. We're like, do we really need Because we had talked about when Full Scale, full scale was going to grow up and get a, a, a nice new office. And we were going to build a cool podcast studio that was really going to improve the overall user experience of our guests. And now we're like, huh, do we need to do that? No. you. I, I, are you wearing pants right now? If and by the way, so we have a virtual studio and I can't actually see Watson. He is literally covered in a, he's wearing a Snuggie right now. Yeah. He's covered yeah. In, in a, you know, a slanket. Is that what they call it? Yeah. And no pants. I don't want, yeah. Pants are definitely optional as a host or a guest on the show. Talk about yeah, a look, loser. Walmart, Walmart says they're selling way more selling shirts tops. less pants. Yep. Is that really a real thing? <laughs> yeah. It's a real st statistic. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, there's, you know, as we, as we finish this episode and thanks for, for getting it, for preparing your items as well. I want you to know that I think you are not a loser. Well, thank you. You're a winner. And, you're a winner. And, and I think it's important the, to our listeners out there. If, if you're struggling through this, you know, we're all, we're all struggling through this and uh, hopefully, hopefully you're not a loser. Hopefully you figure out how to, how to pivot if you can and, um, make a small change your business model. Like you mentioned Dalmaeus, you know, they, they were selling coffee this way. Now they're selling coffee that way. And 
you know, I think about our our, our guy from Thirsty Coconut who sells oh, smoothies yeah. and machines, like to maybe, to school kids. Yeah, may, but to maybe schools. he's doing, but maybe he's doing okay. Maybe he's selling more to hospitals now, or or whatever, right? So, you know, you just have to figure out. You have to pivot a little bit, and um, hopefully, everybody out there can take advantage of the PPP payroll protection plan and um, get those lifelines and you know, live to fight another day. So hang hang in there, guys. And, you know, there's another thing too that, that you just brought up that, so you just mentioned our friend Luke Einsel who owns Thirsty Coconut and Thirsty Coconut is a frozen drink company that, you know, does an offering that's to kids in schools. Um, I haven't talked to Luke since all this started and, you know, I, I've had so many people, and I'm sure you have as well, Matt, send me text messages, just different forms of communication, just kind of reaching out, you know, like everyone, like just the other day, it was seven o'clock, 7 p.m. the other night, and they got a phone call from Greg Crowdifel, who's been, who's our attorney yeah. and, and has been on the show before. And, you know, I was like, hey, man, what's up? And, you know, if you're, your attorney's calling at seven at night. That's usually not a great sign. Yeah. But he good. was like, Hey man, I'm just out, you know, I'm going to pick up some carry out. I just wanted to see how everything was going. I've had a, you know, several people I had, I mentioned earlier or in another episode, my former business partner in a company that delivers fitness equipment, um, literally just sent me a, a, a message on Saturday. It said, it said, Hey boss, I hope you and your family are doing well. I don't know what or what it would or could be, but if there's anything I, any way I can help with anything, let me know. Just like a completely like selfless, you know, Hey man, is there anything I can do to help? And, you know, I've been trying to reach out to some different people and do some different stuff. Keep in mind, a lot of people are in a shitty spot right now. And whether we are, you are everybody like just reach out and talk to someone about it. And I think that the the overall healing power and the positive energy that comes with just saying, hey, man, is there anything I can, Matt, is there anything I can do to make your life easier? Yeah, you can buy some of my software. I'll get right on that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, man, I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.